Stand, if you will, with me this morning and turn in your Bibles to Romans 12. We're only reading two verses again this morning. The second in our installment, our, in our series on the will of God. How many of you were here last week for the first one? If you weren't, I encourage you to go online, ChristChapelMakingGA.org, and go back and listen to that first one. They stand alone, but they're also interconnected. Romans 12, 1 and 2. If you're there, say amen. If you're looking, say amen. If you're on the wall, say amen or on the screen. I beseech you, brethren, uh, or you could say, Paul said, I beg you by the mercies of God that you present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is reasonable. It's your reasonable service. And we're very familiar with that portion. But this one is often neglected. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? That you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The world thinking is to live according to your wills, your desires, your intentions to culminate in your pleasure. But to be transformed in your mind to understand that life at its highest is fulfilling God's intentions and purposes, desires, designs, and delights for my life. That's the, what, is, what is the good and the perfect and the acceptable will of God for me? Paul said this, it's not that I've already attained or either were already made perfect, but I'm following after God that I might apprehend that for which I've been apprehended of God in Christ Jesus. Why did you find me? Why did you rescue me? What was the point? If all God wanted to do was save you, to take you to heaven, he'd have killed you. Right? Y'all just like, what did he mean? Just, you know, work with me. If the goal was just to take you to heaven, he saves you, kills you, and takes you to heaven. There is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God for you daily, Weekly, monthly, seasonally, and over the years. But we have to transform our mind to to see it and to be ready for it. So let's put our hand over our heart this morning. Oh Lord, I pray by the power of your spirit that you would allow me the opportunity and the privilege to preach anointed this morning. That the eyes of our understanding would be opened and we might see what you see. That we might know what you know. Let us feel what you feel so we can do what you want us to do. Lord, we present ourselves to you. We sacrifice our desires, our designs, that we might die to them and live unto yours. Help us individually, Lord, and collectively to fulfill your will in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Last week I talked to you and I want to just review very quickly about some categorizations of the will of God. There's the universal will of God which applies to everyone. God wants everyone everywhere to repent and be saved. It's the will of God in Christ Jesus that you be thankful in all things. There are things found in the word of God that apply to us all. So there's a universal but there's also a personal. Did you know God's personal will for you pre-existed you? 
There's some that think he programmed every detail and now you're just a robot and you have to do those things. And somewhere between that and God does nothing is the truth of, of, of predestination. There are things, there are callings, there are assignments that were woven into the fabric of your personality before you were born. I heard one preacher say not too long ago, he said, God designed you in the womb. And it doesn't say that. It says before, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So there are things that God has predestined and we are not to pursue them, but to ask him to reveal them to us and to be ready and surrendered to him, knowing that they exist. There is the perfect and the permissible will of God. The perfect will of God comes to the one that wants to have it. And the permissible will of God is what you'll find in most believers. It's kind of a hodgepodge of what God demands and what they won't do without. And the Lord, because he's so gracious to all of us, he works with us and for us, but we're hindered. We're hamstrung because we're trying to carry our will into a perfect will. And the reason we carry our will into a perfect will is that we believe we know better. There's no other reason. How many of you know how to cook? I mean, grandmama cook. And somebody come in the kitchen and try to help you. And you know, in about 30 seconds. And the ones that really cook, they'll get stern with you. They don't care what you think about them before the meal. Till you can taste and tell them about it after. Don't touch nothing in here. How many of you guys are mechanics? True mechanics. Not shade tree. True mechanics. Okay. And if I walk up and lift the hood and talk about 30 seconds, you realize I don't know anything about a car. Don't touch nothing. How many electricians? True electricians. Not the ones that learn by trial and error. I had a man in my house from the church. I'll help you, Brother Wood. He'd come over years ago. He don't go here anymore. And I, <laughs> he was downstairs. I'm going to give you the PG version. He was doing something at the base of the stairs in a, in a socket. And you heard this. It sounded like a shotgun. Bam! And you heard the screwdriver shoot across the room and hit the wall. And it all kind of blurred together. And it was a good God of mine. <laughs> it knocked him back about 15 feet. I walked down there, I'm thinking he's dead, you know. Are you all right? He goes, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. And I'm thinking, I'll call somebody else. Hey, look, don't, don't worry about it. No, no, I can fix it. No, really, seriously. You know, I'm upgrading my insurance. I'm calling to see what we have. He told me he knew how to do stuff, so he had a screwdriver. I figured he knew what he was doing. Our problem is we do not believe that there is the perfect will of God for us. We feel that we can come into the world that he designed for us with our box of crayons and paint over what he has designed and planned. You are one surrendered prayer away from the perfect will of God because it's his will for you to get there. And he's always working towards that surrender he said, well, the window passed. He can make new windows. The season passed. God's bigger and better than that. 
There's some prerequisites to this though. Your heart has to be tender enough that you want it. Your eyes have to be, have to be open enough to see it. Your mind has to be renewed enough to understand it. Your body will have to be in submission to do it. Your soul will have to be healthy for you to enjoy it. And your spirit will have to be strong enough for you to fulfill it. God's personal will, what I want to talk to you about for a few moments. And brother air conditioner, if you can hit us for about five minutes, we'll be good. These lights, I'm, I'm roasting under here. You can hear it. God wants to reveal his personal will to you. Now, that doesn't mean God, you know, I, I, before I get started, let me just tell you, there's, there's, God is a God of balance. People, don't, don't, don't be impressed by people that act deep. You know, stand in their closet, God, which sweater, which sweater? And God's saying, they're all ugly. Wear either one of them, I don't care. Are you saying God doesn't talk to us about the little things? I'm saying that if it is not concerning his will, it's up to you. If it's not an issue of glorifying Christ and predetermined actions and callings and assignments, it's up to you and I can prove it to you. Which is the best dog in the litter? The one you take home. There was eight of them and I got Pookie. Pookie, the best dog. Pookie might be crazy, but the one you bring home because you chose it, right? So we're not hung up on the small things, but when it comes to, oh Lord, have your will in my life, you have to believe that he wants to reveal it to you. It's there. It's there. He's not going to, oh, throw something together. John's asked me, I don't know, what, 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 what can we get him to do? It's there, and he wants to reveal it to me. So if you're taking notes this morning, number one, it is revealed in the Holy Scriptures. Your pers- the personal will? Yes, at times. You can't just go searching and make it apply. But you'll be reading the Scriptures, and God will take a story in someone's life, and he can whisper to you, that's your life. I'm, I stopped Paul from preaching the gospel there and you're not going there. I called you to this place and don't run like Jonah did. You can see light come in through the study of the scripture, insight and direction. In the scriptures, we find strength. Daniel 10 said this, Daniel said, as he spoke to me, I was strengthened. See, your strength in the Lord is not determined by your giftings, your years, or your peers. But how much of the word of God you've absorbed into your frame, into your person. And the person that knows God's voice on a personal level will know God's will at a personal level. If I walk with God and I partake of God and he is the vine and I am the branch, then I partake of his strength, his sight, his perspective. All those things are available to the believer. We're strong in the Lord as we are strong in the Lord. In the scriptures, we find divine patterns and methods. I can't tell you how many times I've looked at the story of Jonah and I went, I don't want to go in the belly of a fish. God said, go on, go on. If you're not going to do what I ask, go ahead, go ahead. And there's always a boat conveniently taking you away from the will of God. And then all of a sudden there's a storm and nobody can figure out what's going on. You go, it's me, it's me. Throw me overboard, kill me, kill me. Oh no, we don't want to do it. We'll row harder. 
So they row and row, and Jonah goes, throw me overboard, the storm will stop. So they throw him overboard, and he lands in the intestines of a large fish for three days. The acids in the belly of this fish bleach him out. And three days later, after he's told God, I will perform the vows I gave unto you. I'm sorry. I'll serve you with thanksgiving. The fish throws him back up on the land. Picture this albino man bleached, (laughs) a real bleach job on the hair. Wrapped around seaweed, smelling like... He goes into Nineveh, y'all need to repent. (laughs) And I say that kind of humorously because sometimes it helps me to see how silly my life looks when I say, I think I'll do something differently than what you ask me. Sometimes he puts us in a fish. Other times it's a lot worse. He turns you over to our enemies. No, worse than that. Turns you over to yourself. And the meek person says, Whatever you do, don't let me drive the ship. Whatever you do. Brother John, do you do that all the time? No, but I'm a whole lot better today than I used to be because I paid some stupid tax over my life. In the last 10 days, I sold a piece of property that I had for a decade that I bought out of the will of God. Because I did the math in my head. I saw what they were selling for. I'd made money on them before. One came available. I bought it practically the day, the height of the housing market. Ten years later, over half of the value was gone. And I paid out many thousands of dollars that could have been available to raise my children on. And I'm saying that because the Bible says when you confess your faults one another, you can heal. And I don't want to do any more large, I don't want to do any stupid things. But we mess up when we feel like we don't have to submit to him. or Search the scripture. Ask the Lord to illuminate the scripture. Am I in here for the good or the bad? Are you opening a door or closing a door? If you're taking notes, scripture first. First. And God will never contradict the scriptures. I'm going to get to all the other points in a moment. But all these people that have revelation and they had a dream and they had an angel and they had a vision and other believers telling them something that contradicts the scriptures. If it contradicts the scriptures, it is wrong. It's not the Lord. As for the Lord, his way is perfect. His way is perfect. Psalms 119.11 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Now, you can't pick a story and apply yourself and say, oh, I claim that. I claim that. When the Lord applies it and says, this is you for right now. This story is for you. Then you have that direction. So, we find God's personal will for us revealed in the scriptures. Number two, progressively. How about a box fan if we can't turn the arrow? Or so. I'm sorry. I'm going to go down to the t-shirt, y'all. We, we can folk. We family. All right. Many of us pray for God to reveal the unknown when we're not obeying the known. We have no right to ask God to show us what 
he wants for our individual lives if we're not doing what he's already asked of us collectively. I have found God's personal will becomes fuzzy when we are not in obedience and surrender to the revealed will of the Lord. Something as simple as this. Love your enemies. Pray for them that use you. Do good to those that despitefully use you. If you do not forgive any man, every man from your heart, every offense, the Lord will not forgive you. And people will hold unforgiveness and go over here and believe they're finding the revealed will of God for their life. No, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And they love the world and feel that God's gonna reveal individual secrets to them or uh, hidden pathways that have not yet been revealed. We have to be in his will to be in his will individually. We have to be in it as a whole. To him that hath, more shall be given. And to him that hath not, even the light that he has will be taken away. There are many Christians who aimlessly wander year in and year out looking for something to spark their Christian life. Something different, something supernatural, something exciting. Because they're living in the shadows of disobedience. Listen, if you're living in the will of God, you don't need no excitement. You got plenty. You wake up every day going, where are we going, Lord? It's the ones that have got this controlled environment where they're boxed in with all their favorite cushions around them and then they want to go find something profound or deep that doesn't mess up the box. Absolute surrender will change your life absolutely. That right there, you ought to just carve your little wood burner from, you know, Radio Shack and put it on the wall. Absolute surrender will rearrange your life absolutely. How do you know that? Because my will is not God's will. It can become my will centers around me. God's will for my life centers around him. They're, they're, they don't connect. See, there's no, you don't have any submission until there's a problem. When you take a husband submitting to his wife or a wife submitting to her husband. There is no submission until there's first a problem. There has to be a problem so we can see who's dominant. Oh, I better get off that. I, my God, the husband, wife. let's just talk about the Lord and us. <laughs> so he has this design or this assignment and I don't want to do that really. So we have a problem and the one that submits gives deference to the other one. So as Christians, if I'm not submitting, then I'm an idolater. I'm, I'm the one that says I'm God of my life. And it's okay to say I don't want to do it and do it anyway. If you've got kids longer than two weeks, if, if they get it done at all to start with, you can work on attitude later. But get over there and clean up your room and it sounds like they're building a city in there. If the room gets cleaned and that, oh, you see those, you've got to paint the walls now. You scuffed them up. We'll work on attitude later. But it's, it's revealed to us progressively. Every time we submit, there's more light. Every time we say, yes, Lord, when he tells you, curb your tongue, and you don't, you know that person at work that you really want to tell them what you really think? And you go, hmm, mm. And see, they just, oh, they think we've been saved all our lives. I'm a communicator. I could cuss you out five minutes and never say the same word twice. I could. So what happens? when? See, they think we've always just been 
Christian. What it is, it's an act of submission because I love him more than I hate you. I'm, oh, hate them. Well, you know what I mean. They're on your nerves. You don't like them. They're mean. They're evil. Like, good morning. Is it? <laughs> Lord, you see them. You see them. I learned how to get rid of all that. You just pray for their spouse. You go, God, help that one at home. Got to go home to that. Jesus spoke of doing the will of God as nourishment. He said this in John 4. I have meat, and the Greek word there is brosis, which means food. I have food to eat that you know not of. Therefore, his disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? And he said unto them, My meat, a different word, broma, which is actual meat, is to do the will of God that sent me. So he said, I have food that you know not of. But the meat of my substance, that which fills me the fullest. I'm going to break this down for you. There's what meat eats, that's salad. And then there's meat. You can get on a diet. Oh, you can have all the green beans you want. Eat pounds and pounds and pounds. Then you just feel sick. You don't feel full. But if you have meat, a good steak or a good rack of ribs or, oh, this is almost lunchtime. What time we get it? It fills you. Why do you think Jesus used those words? He was saying, the will of God fills me and satisfies me. The reason we're dissatisfied is we're trying to funnel little bits of God into our will instead of falling into his will where there's mercies and joys and fulfilling feelings. There's a fullness that comes. Jesus said, I've met you don't even know anything about yet, but they would. But it's revealed progressively. You don't just pick a destination. The road to God's will for you and best for you is found, the big things are found in a thousand yeses. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Don't go there. Yes, Lord. Write them. Yes, Lord. Apologize again. Yes, Lord. Pray for them. Yes, Lord. Put your resignation in here. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, God doesn't talk to us like that. He said he would lead us along the best pathways for our life. He doesn't speak that way to some people because they stopped listening a long time ago. You know what's one of the hardest prayers I pray for myself? About here. I love being here. I like being here. I've enjoyed being here. And I'll pray, Lord, as we get towards the end of the year, do you, you want somebody else here? Do you, am I okay? Are we okay? And I say this very humbly because no matter how wonderful it's been, I don't want to be out of his will. And you don't want me out of his will. And you don't want you out of his will. But progressively we learn. As we say yes, he opens doors. And as we say no, and when you get to heaven, you're going to be so surprised at what he kept you from. Oh my goodness. You think you're going to shout for what he's done. What he's kept us from and our desires and intentions. All right, got to go, got to go. Number three, God's personal will can be revealed by prophetic utterance of both men and angels. People can speak prophetically. Now be very careful with this. 
God tells us two things. Despise not prophesying. Don't close yourself. Ain't nobody telling me nothing but Jesus. That's what despising prophesying means, which nobody can speak to you. You're above being teachable. You're above someone speaking into your life. Maybe someone less eloquent than you or less educated than you. That's why we, know, we are to know no man after the flesh, but after the spirit. So if our spirit resonates, we're able to, to receive. So despise not prophesyings, but at the same time, judge everything. So I'm open to you talking to me about the Lord's direction in my life, but I'm going to judge it by everything in the word and by everything he's already told me. So we're not just gullible, but we're not closed out. So many times the Lord has used people to confirm things in my life. Big decisions. And someone confirmed prophetically. A man in church one time called me out. He, he said, Brother John, come here. And I came out and I've seen a lot of shenanigans, but I've seen the genuine article too, where the Lord gives someone a word of knowledge, which means he takes a fact out of their head that they, out of, God takes a fact from his head that they would not know and gives them one word, not all of what I'm supposed to do, just a word. From his omniscience, he gives them a fact that they would not know. And he said, John, that thing you're praying about, the Lord says, go. I felt like somebody shot me in the head. I wept and cried. And, you know, it's hard to get back to preaching then because you got somebody in the altar. They're just disrupting service. My life was changed. I was praying about going on the evangelistic field and no one else knew. And it was a turning point. One of the three turning points in my entire calling and the Lord said, just remind John. I said, go, it's, it's good. And my spirit was free from that moment on. So we know that God can speak through the utterances of men or angels. An angel came to Mary and told her, you're, you're gonna have a child and they're gonna call his name Jesus. And he's gonna save the people from their sins. How can I have a child? I've never been with a man. Well, the Lord is gonna overshadow you and the power of the most high is gonna come upon you. And this impossible thing, this virgin birth is gonna happen. And he spoke to her the will of God. So this is where it gets tricky for us. If I trust you, if, if I'm not walking close with God, then I just got to trust you. But if what you're saying resonates with something God's already told me, or if I'm hearing it for the first time in my spirit, man says, yes, God guides us not only through his spirit and not only through his word, but through other people. God leads us, reveals his will by our giftings, abilities, and desires. As far as life assignments, and by that I mean core areas of mercy, prayer, preaching, teaching, evangelism, discipleship, uh, caring ministries, feeding, clothing, uh, missions work overseas, schools, unwed mothers, what, whatever. The, there, there's a lot of assignments that will flow from categories. Whatever makes you cry and laugh like jubilant, ecstatic fulfillment, your assignment can be attached to those. The deepest sorrows for me was not having a dad. And now I just want to be a dad. I just want, I want to be a dad to not only young boys and young girls, but a spiritual father to people. It comes from what made me cry. 
Sometimes your greatest losses, your greatest burdens, as well as your greatest joys, the assignments will flow from that. It was David's abilities. I told you, giftings, abilities, desires. It was David's abilities as a boy that would foreshadow who he'd be as a man. David killed a lion and a bear as they were coming into his father's flock. Think about this. If you were a shepherd, first of all, he didn't know he had this strength. And there's all these sheep you're watching. You're the bottom on the totem pole in the family. And a lion comes in and grabs one goat, one lamb. My first thought, if I'm honest, I'm like, that's just one. <laughs> Anybody else? I mean, we got, daddy got a couple hundred. That's one. I never really liked that lamb anyway. He didn't mind. No. David was one that when he had a responsibility as a boy, he would keep it to his own harm. And it was foreshadowing who he'd be as a man. He killed a lion and a bear as a boy. And then just a few years later, killed a giant for the glory of the Lord. You could find who he was going to be. His assignments were going to flow from abilities, desires, designs, Saul's giftings. Saul was one of the greatest minds in that Greek-Roman era. He could dialogue with people like Plato and Aristotle. He, he was a, a genius. And we could tell, we, you know, if you look back and you realize all this up, upbringing, learning at the feet of Gamaliel and being raised in all this wisdom, who else could talk at Mars Hill with philosophers and people with vocabularies that we would stop every third word and go, what does that mean? But these abilities and giftings, what you have in you, what has shown up in your life, whether it's the ability to speak, preach, uh, do business, uh, construction, whatever, those abilities were put in you to exercise them in the kingdom of God. Not the kingdom of Christ Chapel, the kingdom of God. You can do it here, but God's kingdom is way bigger than this. And so you sh your abilities surrendered would necessitate at times those abilities being used, wouldn't they? I think this is better than the response I'm getting, but I, I, I'm, all, I'm all right with it. Thank you very much. And then there's the desires, Hannah's burning desire for a child. She prayed so hard that the priest thought she was drunk. And I've, I've, I've learned that desire that strong brings answers that big. She didn't get a son. She got a Samuel. She prayed so hard in the temple that the priest come by and accused her of being drunk. She said, I am not drunk. I'm pouring my complaint out before the Lord. And God didn't grant her a boy. He granted her a Samuel, a prophet so great that it was said of him that God did not let one of his words fall to the ground. Whatever you desire and long to do, long to be, if it's allowable, I just submit this to you because I really don't have the answer. I, I think God is so vast, it's both. You know that verse that says, God will grant you the desires of your heart? Most of the time I've heard that preach that whatever you desire, he's going to give you that. What if it means he granted you the desire? He's the one that gave you the desire to start with. And both. Why would he give me the burning desire to help children if I couldn't help children? 
Why would he give me a desire to fund other ministries if I didn't have the intellectual capacity to fund or a business to fund other ministries? You see what I'm saying? That our gifts would be used. They're connected to our abilities. I'm glad the Lord ain't dependent on, upon me for construction. There'd be some shoddy churches up around here. I can't build nothing. I can talk a little bit. But whatever stirs you, whatever makes you come alive, whatever's connected to desire, abilities, joy, sorrow, God can reveal his will to you something as simple as an emotion. Someone teased me the other day on Facebook. I put something on Kelly. I showed her a four-car seat thing. It just put it in the back seat and there's four of them. It's all one piece. And they were like, oh, are y'all getting another one? You know, I don't know. I'm, but I, I, I'll be this honest with you. If I saw a dog on the side of the street, I'd take him. I did. Anybody want JB, you can have him. He's at my house now. And he's a sweet little dog. He's a, he's a mutt, but please, he, lap dog, gentle please. I'll give you a bag of dog food to take him. I just, my point is this. This dog was two or three days away from dying. I stopped my car, just picked him up. He walked over to me and fell in my lap. He couldn't even hold himself up. Now he's chewing up vinyl side and everything else. He's happy. He's, eh, eh, eh. So you hear about this baby. So you, you want this baby? How do you, how can I say no when it stirs so deep? And I'm not telling you to go adopt. This is what I'm telling you. You may not be moved like I'm moved. That's how we know. When someone talks about worship, and I see my, my worship pastor's eyes light up, and he sits in there for hours in his office, listening to new music, discerning if, if this is anointed or if this is just performance. And he's going over in his trade. He, of course, it expends energy, but he's alive. He, we're alive when we do this. That's how you know. And some of us are waiting for lightning and we're years are passing us by. And all you have to do is pick up the dog. His name is JB. Pick up the dog, people. <laughs> JB. All right. Number four. Dreams and visions. This is probably the second one of the two, it's usually desire for me, like what I really feel and this, a vision, a dream, uh, a snapshot, a picture. Don't try to make it mystical like, okay, so does God, I'm walking through the mall and I'm going to trance. And whether I'm in my body or not, I do not know. Paul, they said, Paul did that once. He just did it once. The rest of the time he had to pray and figure out where he was supposed to go but you'll just have a picture or you'll dream a dream and you'll know that part of it was a brain dump because you ate real late and you know part of what, but there's a part of it that felt just like the Lord, a part of it, you know, you can't just throw the whole thing out. Lord, talk to me. And sometimes our receptors are broken, but when it's a, a for me, a snapshot, a vision or a dream, I know what I saw. It's like all of a sudden this thought that I wasn't thinking about intrudes and it's like it's a Polaroid. And the longer you stare at it, it becomes clearer and clearer. Sometimes these pictures, these snapshots, these movies make sense of what's behind us. Other times they illuminate what is right in front of us. 
Do you remember when uh, Abimelech, the king of Gerar, took Abram's wife? It's a whole nother sermon, but Abram was scared because his wife was beautiful. So he goes into town and goes, that's my sister. So they took his sister. Have y'all read that in Genesis? And the king said, she's fine. He's, what kind of hut? This, this is a marriage counseling class right here. So he, I'm taking Sarah. All right, we'll see you, sis. He lets her go. Abram had some issues, man, some serious ones. I bet Sarah found a way to make him pay. But anyway, <laughs> rightfully so, you, I'm your sister. So God visits this man in a dream and says, you're a dead man. <laughs> and in his dream, he goes, why am I a dead man? Because you're with Abram's wife. He said it was a sister. You're going to kill a man because... In his dream, he has this dialogue with God. And he goes, I was innocent. He goes, will you go take him a bunch of offerings and ask him to pray for you so that you can live? Do you think he woke up that next morning? I wonder if that was the Lord. (laughs) Maybe he went and found Abraham. He goes, you got me killed. Here's your wife. Here's a chick. Here's here's JB. You can have JB. You can have all this. (laughs) Lay your hands on me. Pray for me. Are we good? Are we good? We good. Some of you discount dreams and visions because people like you don't have them. And you do. But you do not, you will not allow yourself to be vulnerable enough to step out on nothing and say, God showed me something. I don't know if you'll remember, some of you may, when Jason Comer was our youth pastor, he drew this building on a piece of paper before we were here. He come into staff, he goes, Pastor John, Annabelle, do you remember that sheet of paper? He penciled, he goes, God's going to give us a building. It's kind of like, and he drew the inside of this place before. It was just a picture. God wants us to know his will. It can be birthed by feeling or a snapshot, a picture. And sometimes it reveals what it's, it gives us a revelation of what's to come. Now these pictures, these moments when you, you have a vision of what's coming, God doesn't give you all the details. Joseph had this picture of all of his brothers coming and bowing down to him, these stalks of wheat bowing down to him. But he didn't dream about them selling him to Ishmaelite traders. And he didn't dream about being in prison. He didn't dream about getting lied on and staying in prison for years and years. And see, it can be confusing to us because God doesn't give us all the details. But in the end, the dream comes true just like God said it would. And his brothers who disdained him eventually came and bowed down before him as he was second only to Pharaoh. And this is a side note. I don't have time to go into it, but you should always be careful who you share your dreams with and how much you say. Before you open your mouth, consider their heart because many people will despise the very fact that you believe God would talk to you because God don't talk to them. Now, I don't, I'm not one of these that walks down, yes, Lord, yes. And, you know, they, angels are always landing on their head and angel wings are hitting them. I'm not one of them. Would I like that? Yes. Yes. But be careful who you tell your dreams to. But if it's something that you think would get God, give God glory, tell it before it happens. Stand on a stage and say, we're going to have children. Tell them. Tell them. So that when it happens, guess who gets glory? God. God gives us pictures for several reasons. Clarity. He gives us pictures of what's to come to stretch us, 
to prepare us, to encourage us, but primarily so we'll recognize it when it happens. You go, that's it. All right, y'all aren't gonna believe this, but it's the truth. I don't know if I've ever shared this one. This is 100 years old. I had been a Christian a little over a year and a half, and I had a dream that I walked into this large church. And it was nothing but young people. And I'm walking down the little aisle and people are kind of scattering and I get down there and there's two guys dressed in black. This was pre-goth. I mean, Johnny Cash black. Everything, black clothes, black coat, black, black hair, black, 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 black. And as I got to him, one of them walked away. And the, in, in the church service, it, the guy was talking about deliverance. And I said, may I pray for you? And he said, there's no use, man. I said, buddy, look at me. There's strength in the name of the Lord. That was the dream. So I wake up and I go, I ain't in no big church. I we had a little small church. So what do you do? It was the Lord. You just log it. For some reason, he showed me a photograph. So about a year and a half later, I haven't thought any more about this dream. This was too much pizza dream. We go to uh, youth council, Georgia Youth Council. Didn't, did not realize I was in the dream. I'm in the sanctuary. The guy's talking about people being bound by alcohol and drugs and pornography and all these other things. He said, if you are bound, I want you to stand to your feet right now. And kids stood all over the place. You youth pastors, find your way to them. And as soon as I stood up, I was in the dream. And I went, oh my God. And I knew what to do. I just started walking and the kids just kind of youth pastors went to them. There were two guys dressed in black and I walked down and one of them walked away and I said, Hey buddy, the Lord can free you from this. He goes, you don't understand. I said, look at me. And I knew what to say. There's strength in the name of the Lord God. I am nothing. Don't, don't confuse this. He was just giving me a photograph of what was going to happen a year and a half later and said, tell him, Tell him that I'm enough. Just tell him. I'm just a little cog in it. What amazed me was not that this guy found deliverance. It's that my Lord took a photograph a year and a half before it happened and let me in on it. And he does that for us. He wants to show us. That's not often. It doesn't take often for me to be convinced that you know what's around the next corner, even if I can't see nothing. Thank you, Lord, that you know where the people are going to be dressed in black at. Thank you, Lord. You know all the details about everything. It's not that we become these super spiritual people that walk around with dark glasses. We are people of faith. We are people of trust. And I am in the will of God. And you can't kill me till it's time for me to die. I'm in his will. There's a confidence in his will. You can sleep among lions in his will. You can pull a lion up close to you and make a pillar out of him when you're in God's will. And if you're not in his will, you better bring some beads out or something. Help me over here in the corner. Something, something. Help me. Okay. He'll lead us in our circumstances. Providence or opportunity. When circumstances make themselves available, there's just no way. The greatest turning point in the history of our church is when God allowed us to be part of Second Baptist and Second Baptist a part of us. Greatest thing he ever did for us. The best people in our church. Greatest, the greatest thing. And it just so happened that when this church went through some turmoil after the pastor left and 
we volunteered to help them and some of the people used our church and the Lord started to reveal his design for us to be merged together. You just would have never thought it. And several people way wiser than myself, one in particular asked me, he said, so you're just going to miss the will of God? And I told him, I said, I'm not going to be the fella that comes in here, merges these churches and them say, John's the guy that swooped in and took the stuff. And he said, well, what if it's the will of God that we merge? Providence, opportunity, you have to look at your heart and say, am I trying to do this? Or Lord, if this is your will, and this is for someone, this isn't in my notes. No matter the cost, if it's the Lord's will, do it. Now, it's not going to hurt anyone. God's not going to use you to hurt anyone or, or contradict his will, but follow. Even if you follow hesitantly, follow. But the circumstances can speak to you. That random encounter, that random unexpected call, that dramatic change in relationship, a job or ministry, the door that closed all of a sudden or the one that opened, could it be the burning bush that if you'll just stop and turn and look, God's going to say something to you in it? Just turn. He said, because you turned, I'm going to speak to you. I remember, well, skip that one. I got a lot of remembering in this, so we're good. Number six. God reveals his will by a simple inner knowing, a divine impression, witness of the spirit, we used to say. You just know, you just know that you know. What does it feel like when Elijah walked over to Elisha? He's plowing in the field. He owns these oxen, this farm equipment, and he just drapes his mantle over him and walks off. What would make Elisha say, let me just go tell my parents goodbye, killed all of his oxen, burnt the plows and the equipment so he could never go back to his business, served the food to all the servants and left. He had a witness in his heart that something about that man, he was going to be more with that man than he was ever going to be without him. And he surrendered in a moment to that opportunity. We don't jump at opportunities, but we are to respond when our spirit man knows. And there's no way I can tell you when that is any more than I can tell you how not to be tone deaf. You know, if you have to explain to someone they're tone deaf and they go, no, I'm not. The fact that you don't know is proof that you are. (laughs) You don't know. How do you explain? How do I explain my mother's voice to you in such a way that if your cell phone rang, you would say, oh, hi, Sandra. You can't. But as you respond to the little yeses, listen, your knower works real good. And something will open up and you go, God, is that you? Yeah. Okay, I'm done. He burnt the plows, the oxen. He followed Elijah and performed twice the miracles that Elijah did in his ministry. Ben, if you'd come this morning with me. It comes like a, familiar voice. To me, as your pastor, that's what it's like. Very rarely does God thunder in my ears, but it's like a Johnless talk. Just a familiar, easy... I word it this way sometimes. Well, of course that's the Lord. Well, of course that's Him. 
a familiar inner witness. It can be unexpected. I remember standing at Booth 10 at Skipper's Restaurant in August or September of 1986. Someone asked me what was in a mixed drink, and I started rattling it off. And clear as you hear my voice, I felt the impression in my heart. I want you to know my word like you know that drink list. And the people are like, you okay? Uh, I'll be right back. I went in the kitchen behind the little door. I can see it now. Put my face in my hands and I just wept. He was wooing me. That wasn't a call. It was like, I want you to know what I want. I want you to know my word like you know that. It was a week later. I answered a call to him for full-time ministry. I'm like, if you use me, I, hey, I ain't, I ain't got nothing going on. All in. It was easy for me to give my life to him. I didn't have one. All in. But a, an, an unexpected, but a very familiar voice. I hesitate to share this because it's so precious. And, uh, but someone was going to be here this morning and it's tightened in here. Stacy, do you remember in the grill when he was about two? It was a Tuesday night. We we're at prayer. And Mama Sheila, of course, was there. And Stacy had six or seven others. And her little boy was, he's always been just such a good kid. But he was in there at prayer just letting Mama hold him. And she had held him for us. I said, Could, I, ne- I never did that. Like, hey, can I hold him? She's like, sure. When she handed him to me, and I don't mean this wrong. I know it's Hub and Stacy's baby. I felt like I was holding my son. And it scared me so bad I went and took him back. Now it went like this. And I told her. And it was kind of funny. I said, I ain't got no kids. I sure don't have a son. A two-year-old. Please don't get Hub mad at me. I'm not insinuating this mine. I, you know, Hub's a big boy. No, that's not my son. But it was like... I. I thought I was holding my boy. Snapshot. I look around the other day. I'm standing here on a Sunday morning. And I'm holding my boy. Now, what? What? He's taking pictures all the time if we'll just stop. He'll show you every Polaroid you'll show interest in. Sometimes he won't tell you, but other times you'll just know. This is, this is the right way. You'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. When you turn to the left and when you turn to the right, you'll know. I close with this. God has very rarely, very rarely ever used me in the supernatural gift of a word of knowledge, which means that God reveals a fact to me that I could not know. So I'm not one of those guys. I'd love to be. I just don't. Very rarely. I was preaching at a Baptist church in Augusta, Georgia when I was on the evangelistic field. And this was Baptist, Baptist. Not Baptist. Baptist, Baptist. How many of you were Baptist, Baptist? You remember the bulletin? If it's on the paper, we're doing it. No offense in the order in which it says. So I'd preach there five or six Sundays. They were without a pastor. I'm filling in and on this particular Sunday, here's how Baptist we were. I'd preach. We have five or six people get saved. I'm like, praise the Lord. Brother Deacon, would you come and close? He'd come up to the mic. <sighs> She'd start up the hymn of invitation and we'd sing all three verses after the people got saved. 
true because that was in the bulletin. So you see how Baptist we are. We're done. Everybody's home. Everybody's saved. And then we're just as I, we're going to do it after the fact. So I'm going, this ain't Kansas. Okay. So I'm preaching wonderful people. I just wanted you to get the context that God has such a sense of humor. I'm not, I don't operate in this gift. I can count on one hand, 25 years, 30 years. So I'm done preaching right towards the end of my message. And I'm about to dismiss everybody. I don't remember if it was, it was a very, very end. And I said, and listen, y'all have a wonderful week. Ma'am, next to the last row on the aisle seat, whatever you're worried about tomorrow morning, the Lord said he's taking care of it. She screamed like someone shocked her with a cattle prod in this Baptist, Baptist church. She runs the aisle and collapses on the altar. I just get out of the way. I'm looking at the deacons. I ain't did it. I ain't did it. I ain't did it. (laughs) Family comes from everywhere. People come from everywhere and they're praying over her. I'm standing in the altar and a deacon come up to me and goes, who told you? I said, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, what's going on tomorrow? I said, I don't know. You have to ask her. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, she's going in for exploratory cancer surgery tomorrow morning. They cut her open and there was nothing. Now, yes. Now, what part did you play in that? Nothing, nothing. So what is, when you see the gifts of the spirit in the Bible, when you see God orchestrating and moving and showing photographs, The next meeting I came to, they were talking about me potentially being an interim pastor there. And they said, you have to tell us how you knew that. And I said, I don't know. He just revealed it to me. It's just like I knew that. I didn't know anything else. If you can grasp what, and I hope I haven't muddied the water these last two Sundays. There is a will of God. And flowing from it are assignments duties, responsibilities, joys, privileges, rewards, stretching, miracles, provision, and it all flows into the glory of God. Can you imagine anything worse than being in heaven as a recipient of God's grace and yet being one that resisted his will? And some of us are resisting it unintentionally. We just didn't know there was one. For 30 days, seven days, if you prayed nothing but have your perfect will in my life. I can't tell you God's going to give you a photograph. But I'm telling you, your soul will balance out. And you'll have a confidence. If nothing's changed, you'll be able to come back next Sunday and go, I am in his perfect will. I'm lined up with the scriptures. I'm in harmony. The tuning fork of my heart is resonating with heaven and I'm good. Can't miss it. You'll find a lightness about you, an ease about you. And you say, Lord, is this you? I say, of course it was. Of course it was. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I don't know who the Lord's talking to today. I don't know who I was preaching at. But for the one that wants to know his will, Of course you're going to know it. Just accept it. You're going to know it. For the one that has added a little bit of God's will to their life, and that's why they're so frustrated and miserable, 
You need to present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. It's reasonable to the one that's following his will. And it's so costly. It's so difficult. Hang on in there, baby. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit, sir. God's equipping you. God's going to bring you through this. And for the one that got the photograph of how it's supposed to be, and it went the exact opposite like Joseph, just give it time. The pit becomes a palace almost overnight. Just give it time. Just give it time. The house with no children becomes filled with children. Give it time. The broken marriage becomes restored. Give it time. The abandoned person finds a soulmate. Give it time. The shattered disposition becomes whole. Just give it time. If this is in your heart and use your words, just take the next minute or two and I'm going to dismiss you. This is the kind of thing you work out at home. If it's in your heart, tell him, I know you have a divine will for my life. And that's all I want. Let it happen in my life, oh Lord. If that's you, just tell him. You can lift your hands. You can stand. You can sit. Just tell him, have your perfect will in my life, O Lord. Have your perfect will in this church, O Lord. Whatever you plans you have for Christ Chapel, let it be, God. Whatever plans you have, let it be, O Lord. Let us not ever miss your will. Grant us, O Lord. Grant us individually, collectively, every mom, dad child, parent, grandparent. Church family, this wasn't in my plan, but I feel we're supposed to do this before we close. If you are at a place you need God's, we all can say it generically, but I need an answer. I need God to bump, steer. I need an answer. If that's you, stand. We're going to agree with you this morning. Before we pray, I want you to look to me. This ain't got nothing to do with Pastor John. Psalms 32, 8. I will instruct you and I will teach you. I'll instruct you and teach you in the way you should go and I'll guide you with my eyes. That's scripture. So you just put that in. I don't have to do nothing. You're going to show me. You're going to make me aware of it. And I've already given you my yes and I cannot miss it. And there's to be a release to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I agree with my brothers and my sisters that need your guidance. They will hear a voice behind them saying, this is the way. Walk in it. When you turn to the left or right, you will lead them along the best pathway for their lives. We will not turn aside or turn away from your will. It is all we want. Take the keys, take the car, take the title, God, all of it. Orchestrate our lives for your glory, Lord, and we'll give you praise and honor. In the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, the strong Son of God. And Lord, I pray for the people in this room. If you would allow it, give us a photograph of what's to come. Show us for our families, our babies, our business, our church. We'll treasure it. We'll hold on to it. Help us to know your voice. And celebrate it. 
more so as your day approaches. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.